Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Yo. Hey, full disclaimer. Listen, we're we're trying this evening thing. I just don't want people to think this is six thirty a.m. in the morning. But I am drinking <laughs> Buffalo Trace bourbon. I hope that's okay. <laughs> so that's for sure. the record. Totally, this is in the evening. Wink, <laughs> wink. <laughs> you can really tell that we are taking a lot of pains to make our home studios look really camera ready. <laughs> I can't figure it out. I dude. have this lamp here, <laughs> and then the the return for the air. Yep, and I'm I in, have this this bed here where I sleep at night. I'm in my parents' basement, and I'm 35. <laughs> that's usually the Mets move. Uh, yep, and that's the ping pong table that I learned how to play ping pong on. That's right a great table, there. man. I've mm-hmm. slept in that basement many times. It's a good basement. It's a good basement. So a little warning for you guys, since we are doing the evening thing, um, I have a lasagna in the oven and in like 30 (laughs) minutes, (laughs) the timer is going to go off. So I may have to uh, pop up and take it out of the oven. Good for you. Yeah, cooking dinner, man. What uh, level of scratch did you make it from? Is it is actually... uh, it's it's from a company which is the same nickname that I use when I log in, Michelangelo, <laughs> and it's basically just a high octane version of lean cuisine. <laughs> Michelangelo, but it sounds it's Italian, so it sounds legit. Michelangelo, that sounds like great lasagna, man. Mm. It it actually, I love lasagna. Yeah, it's pretty good. This is a veggie lasagna, so. I have a PT test early in the morning tomorrow. We're starting to carbo loading zero six. So I wanted to have something healthy. Yeah. Carbo load. That's a good idea, huh? Oh, yeah. Just that was my plan. Wake and bake the Alfredo fettuccine. Just Ooh. hammer that stuff right before your <laughs> 10 mile run. <laughs> and that makes me think of the office. That's what I'm getting referencing. Yeah, 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 the, the carbo load. Um, yeah, so we got, so I'm drinking a lot of Powerade, Gatorade, um, and then trying to eat a healthy dinner and get to bed. ASAP. Get after as, it, man. ASAP is possible. So, do you guys you find, guys I, realized, I thought about, I thought about this recently. Do you guys find, because I don't know, we're, adults now i guess but uh for sure i think it was on maybe it was just last saturday and i I'd, I'd had a busy like few evenings with it was all great stuff but i i was just like man i am really tracking for an introverted evening um it just energized a little bit so had had my book ready to go and worked out splendidly it was awesome but uh even when i was in seminary I found that sometimes it would bother me if like I didn't have anything to do on a Friday or Saturday night because like those are the nights that you're supposed to do stuff. Hmm. Does that make any sense? Um, but I feel like now 
maybe that's just I'm an adult. I'm like, no, that's okay. Not to. I can go to bed early on a Friday. Mm -hmm. Have you guys ever thought about that? Yeah, I think this year I have started to notice that Friday, even though Saturday is my day off, the Friday night thing, I'm more likely to go to bed early than stay up late or stay in and go out precisely because next day I want to carpe diem with Mm. the day off activities, which is usually chilling out, working out, reading, doing household chores, you know, the really fun stuff. (laughs) You do household chores on your day off? Yeah. Things that make me feel good, like purging things, getting laundry done, Wow. Cleaning. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Maybe that's my... No, I'm not there, Rob. I still... <laughs> no, just to answer your question. <laughs> Very bluntly. Um, yeah. Well, and maybe that's a bit of my issue is I see all those things as work and they're they're tedious to me. And so I try to fit them into my work days. But that means I do that. I'm always... No, I, I'm I'm there as well. I try to I try to fit them into work days as well. That yeah. like laundry is an example. It does feel good to be productive, though. I mean, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I probably need to do a better job of that. I see it more as like, whoa, here's a day that I can finally have fun. Like this is this is a fun day, and. Yeah, I mean, I always, I probably stay up too late on those days, but I don't, I haven't made that shift. I don't think, I don't know, I don't really have anything else there. I just, I just noticed, I don't, it's like one of those things I probably hadn't thought about it in years, but I just remember that bothering me at some point. And maybe it was just a social construct or something like that, but just like oh like you should you know i used to think about that in seminary sometimes of like if nothing was happening and you know i'd just be in the chapel or whatever on a friday evening and uh i mean it was great like we would kick it on the cam and watch movies and stuff like that which was which was awesome but uh i i think i i felt like a pang of loneliness i and i don't know why on in particular on friday and saturday nights hmm. and but then it was just realizing it's like wow i haven't felt that in a long time I don't know why that is necessarily. Hmm. Dude, I do. I, I resonate with what you're saying. Um, part of it, I think, is probably just adjusting to being a priest and realizing our schedule is not like other people's schedules and that mm-hmm. that social construct of the weekend is not really a thing for us. Um, so I don't feel the same pressure now after eight years of being a priest to... Or like I don't have FOMO really because I've already I've already missed out on so much. <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna go back and try to catch up and get in on all the things that people are up to on Friday. And it doesn't it doesn't interest me anymore. And that's I think the grown up part. Like I don't mm-hmm. wanna stay out late. I wanna come in and hang out with people that that I wanna hang out with maybe or, you know, be social in a in a different way than I did when I was twenty one. Uh, or entering into seminary, you know, so I think that that, that attitude of like working for the weekend and, you know, get that exam done on last, last final, and then you can Mm -hmm. go rage. Um, 
I don't know. I think part of being older is like my life is just, it doesn't bother me as much to do laundry on my day off because I could do it on an evening after a long day. Um, but it doesn't take that much effort and it's pretty set it and forget it. And I'm going to be up in my room reading anyway. So why not just get the laundry going? And then by, you know, by the time the next day rolls around, like I got a dresser full of clean clothes and my house is clean and I feel good. Um, I don't know. We used to call this in focus uh, when I was in discipleship, unity of life. Like there's not like mm-hmm. I'm working Connor and now I'm party Connor. I'm just like Connor, the one who God made me to be everywhere I am and who, who I'm, whoever I'm with. And um, it doesn't mean like there's not sh- modes that you shift into and out of, but like leisure, I th- I'm glad to say like I'm I- able to more easily enter into leisure without it being like this shock. Or like dropping into gear like okay now work is over it's time for fun and i think that there's an anxiety there like what you're saying what resonates so deeply is something actually deep is that loneliness is like this feeling of alienation of isolation disconnected um there's people out in the city doing fun things tonight hmm. um and i am disconnected i don't have a family i don't have a friend who's thinking of me right now or that I'm hanging out with or like, it's like being on the CTA on the train by myself when there's all sorts of people in clusters. But it's like, I'm this weird celibate dude, just wandering this worldly city. <laughs> it's kind of, but you just get used to it. I don't know. It's like that in a microcosm, your whole life. Your whole yeah. life boiled down to one evening. Mm-hmm. I, I did feel that recently um, I went out one night to go and get like uh, some Mexican food or something like that. And I just wanted to go out and have a little dinner. Um, and wasn't anything crazy, but that feeling of isolation, um, I think I was going to watch a sports game. Maybe the Braves were on or something like that. And I don't have a TV in my room and just wanted to watch the game. Oh, it was one of the NBA playoff games. So I kind of fit picked like a, a fun bumping spot and I showed up and there's all these groups hanging out and there's how they didn't have any TVs. No, no. So it's like this loud, <laughs> rowdy environment. And I'm just sitting oh, there no. like drinking a water <laughs> and looking at your phone. <laughs> oh man, this feels like I, I, the difference of life was really heightened, I guess. And I, I kind of noticed it at that point and, um, yeah, I really felt it. And, and I think the immediate feeling was, wow, I feel different and a little bit isolated, which then had the possibility to turn into a type of loneliness. It's like, oh, because I'm different and isolated, that means I'm alone. And that's not true. I think that's kind of the, the jump that my feeling tried to make. And yeah, thanks be to God. I mean, I, I got to recognize it and I told Welter about it. And Welter's like, oh, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a Welter <laughs> story, too. That is oh, he yeah. loved it. And yeah, it was really so. important. It was a good moment for me. Um, yeah, that just because you um, live a different life, that does exclude you from certain things um, and include you at other things. It doesn't mean that you're alone. Um, so, I, yeah, that, that definitely resonates sitting on the train with clumps of people having fun and you feeling like an outsider. Mm-hmm. 
I kind of jam on it now because it's this like one of the things I was praying with this morning, Holy Hour, was um, felt really drawn to Jesus after the feeding of the 5,000 and how he goes. He sends his disciples off in the boat and that's when he ends up walking on the water because he sees them in trouble. But he goes to this deserted spot to pray. Um, and like that's the moment he could have. They wanted to carry him off and be to make him king, you know. Um, he could not have been more admired and, and kind of seen in that moment by so many. And all he wanted to do was go be with his father in the solitude. And, um, I don't know. I think, yeah, the grace of the last few years and just growing in my interior life has been like this confidence in my being at home in the world because I'm in Christ and my life is hidden with him in God. And something Rafferty said at IPF this last time was like concealment. The idea of concealment is the spiritual principle that like everything, the most important things in your life are seen only by God. Hmm. And celibacy is um, a unique way of like living that mystery, the hidden life. Yeah. Um, it just also lets you there's something in that too that lets you live your life in a way that it's not like you're not the center of attention and it's not really about you as well that I, I find very freeing um, in those, in those moments um, thought of uh, this was, gosh, this was six months ago, maybe longer, but I was up, I celebrated, I took a, a weekend away from the parish and celebrated a wedding for like just a awesome, awesome young couple. And she had been a student, um, that I was pretty close with and, um, at, on campus and all the, all the, it was great. It, it was like, this couldn't have been a more fun wedding to, to celebrate. And then it was, we were at the reception and, um, you know, it was me and then uh shout out to a uh, father, Zach Weber from oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, he was, he knew her from like a mission trip as well. So he kind of celebrated the wedding and he was at the reception as well. And, it was great. It was, it was fun catching up with Father Zach and um, like we were at this like nice reception, literally at a table of just disciples, like so much fun. And um, but like people that were disciples and also really fun. So it was like a perfect scenario. So we had a great dinner, like very festive. They did the toasts and everything like that. And it was a Saturday night and it was like, at, you know, at that point, 730. And I just kind of had it in my head and I'm, it was very free and I'm glad I did, but it's like, you know what, honestly, like there, the dancing is going to start. I have no business like being on the dance floor, nothing like that. Like I'm out of here, you know? So like I went and I found the couple, like told them I loved them, like gave them a blessing out the door, went and literally just, I'd already like prayed my rosary and prayed that day. So I think I just watched a movie. And it was fantastic. Um, but it was like, hey, that's their night. It's not mine. You know, there's totally no reason good. I need to be need to be there past that. Um, and it was still like the experience as a whole was just fantastic. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense or fits, but felt a pull to share. That's very free, dude. It's not it's not a rejection of this as like a distasteful thing. It's I'm. I affirm that this is good and 
I want you to enjoy this night, but my participation has ended in it, you know, and now I just mm -hmm. wish you well. And I bless. I've gotten into blessing people when they tell me that they're going somewhere or doing something or starting a new job or, um, I don't remember what I read or experienced that made me more intentional about this, but I'll just ask people now, like, Hey, can I give you a blessing? You're, you're going to Mexico mm -hmm. or are you starting this job next week? This kid was going to the air force, um, for ROTC training is basic in a couple of weeks. And I was like, Oh, can I give you a blessing? Um, and people always say yes, you know, and I, I think it's not just even the subjective feeling. I think they also like it and feel they appreciate the thought, but, um, there's something about like you as a priest blessing this affair, like you, the fact that you gave them a blessing before you left the party, you're like, I bless this festive, festive party, stay up till the sunrise, have fun, enjoy it. You'll never have all your friends and family mm -hmm. in one place until your funeral and you won't be able to enjoy that. So just have a fun night. God bless you, Father, <laughs> Son, and Holy Spirit. See you soon. See you at the baptism. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. I'm, I'm grateful that God has made me love being a priest um, and not fear that I'm missing something by, by living this life, you know? I am missing something, but it's like a blessing to, to do so. Right. Right. Cause something cool that I hear in that, that I guess I have a bit of holy envy of, cause it just doesn't come naturally. You know, even in that story, um, the freedom to say like, yeah, I've, I've done my part. Y'all, this is so good. I, I do want to bless it. Y'all rock on and enjoy it. Um, but then to leave and not feel like you're being gypped out of something, mm. you know, like feel like you're, you're not able to participate because that's not what priests do kind of a thing. It's right. like, no, I'm, I'm free to let this go. Like I'm, I'm satisfied and now I can go back and just kind of remain in this peace, uh, there's like a total lack of grasping there. I'm just going to show up and be a priest and pray and celebrate the sacraments and then like be festive and rejoice and then keep going like on to the next thing. And my tendency <laughs> is not like that. <laughs> it's like, dude, this is so fun. If some is good, like more <laughs> is better. It's just like, let's push it and push it. And I don't think that's a, a product of like priestly life. I think that's a product of just like an untamed uh, parts of my heart that aren't totally content in Christ. Um, but you, you always, you do, you have like a really natural gift at that rub. Mm. Well, it can be learned, dude. Yeah. I think. And I think even, I was, you know, speak to that too. There's something, it's almost like a, a marker in the spiritual life, I think, for anyone. But like just that notion of of grasping, that I mean, that comes up at least for me a lot, like during examines and it, everything. And it's like, dang it, why do I feel like angsty right now? You know, or why do I feel like a teenager again in a lot of ways? And it's very often tied tied to grasping at things like mm -hmm. experience or people or whatever it is. Um, so 
I don't know. Nothing's coming to mind. I'm trying to kind of like rack my brain for um something, but I've yeah, had even, um, this thought about since this feast of the Sacred Heart. Uh, I can't remember if it was during the breviary or mass, one of the antiphons. It was about like the all this imagery of the water coming from the rock and the water from the side of the temple and the water from the side of Christ, like this spring um, of just infinite, refreshing living water um, that comes from the heart of Christ. And there was one antiphon that was like, as the dove is like hides in the cleft of the rock or something. And the image I had was this dove drinking from a mountain stream. That's like coming out the side of a, I, I had this experience in California of like seeing a mountain spring coming out of the side of a, of a rock. Um, and I'd never seen that before this underground lake. Have I br- told this story on the podcast? Mm-mm, I don't think so. Yeah, it was in the marble mountain wilderness and this, this, uh, prescribed fire that we were on my first year as a firefighter. And we went on this hike up to this mountain lake and it was my first time seeing mountain lakes and being in a wilderness area. Oh, um, dude, mountain lakes are insane. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I was like, this is the, gar- I mean, it was for a kid from Illinois, from the suburbs. It was mind blowing. Uh huh. And these guys were like, oh, cool. A mountain spring. Let's fill our canteens as we're on this hike. And I'm like, this is just water coming from the side of this mountain. And there, this guy was like a, University of Montana grad school guy. He's forestry dude that was leading the hike. And he's like, oh yeah, this underground lake, you know, all the snow melt passes through the the dirt and the rock and stuff. And it like filters out and there's just this underground lake that is feeding this spring. And it just kind of flows out of this mountain constantly. It's like a never, it's just this huge, huge reservoir of, of water that's like filtered through this gigantic Brita filter that is a mountain. Gosh. Wow. And it's all snow melt and it's That's kept ice so cold. Awesome. And I <laughs> I filled up this little plastic canteen I had and I drank some of it. And it was like, like, you know, those uh, pictures of brains with all the neurons. It was like <laughs> all my dopamine was just like <laughs> crackling in my brain. It was the most refreshing water I'd ever drunk. And so it I was, makes your I was picturing crackle, man. That's it. <laughs> I was picturing a dove in the cleft of that rock, just like drinking from this mount, from this spring. Mm. And I'm the dove only I'm mad that I can't drink the whole thing. You know, like I'm obviously filled. I have this tiny little mouth. I'm this little bird and I, there's more of the water than could ever slake, you know, I could ever need. And, but I can only drink a little bit at a time. Um, but that's okay. Like it's just going to keep coming. There's not like a lack of it. But there's something that happens in me and Mike, what you're talking about, what what I've been able to learn, I think, is just the trust in God that there's so much joy to have in this life. Like, but I can't receive it all. I don't. And that makes me mad sometimes because I'm like, oh, I see this joy is happening and I want it. And that's the grasp move. Um, And it's always annoying because it's like, I know I can't have it. And like, what would it even look like to possess this joy? It's only it's only joy if it's free and not possessive and spontaneous and gift. Um, so like being able to just be like, I have access to a joy in the heart of Jesus, this water coming from the rock that all these people at this wedding don't have. And that's not to say that I'm better than them. It's just that God has chosen me and I've chosen this life that has certain joys that are mostly hidden, like we're talking about. And then there's these joys that people are enjoying. And that's awesome. Marriage, family, partying. 
dance floor stuff and we just opted out um and i don't know that that image helps me where i'm just like cool i'm glad there's there's other dubs drinking the water um but that one's not for me and i'm full right <clears throat> yeah it, it's making me think of i th- this may be the way that um not my mind perceives it but maybe my heart perceives the way that god's abundance comes into the world is i remember i took a pilgrimage down to mexico and by the way that story is so cool that's such a biblical story the spring it's, yeah like yeah dude i, was, I, I prayed with it for a few a days I, I hadn't remembered it until sacred heart when I, all that water talk that's so like, cool oh gosh. um which i went down to mexico and i got to see the tilma and the big basilica down there in Mexico city. And I remember it made sense to me why they do it, but it was also frustrating for me, um, was that there are so many people that come on pilgrimage to see the Tilma. Have y'all ever had a chance to go down? No, nope. She's up on the wall and you can see her from a distance, but if you really want to see her, you have to, uh, come close, get in a queue. Um, and then once you get to the front, of the line, you step on a conveyor belt that just, Mm. that just continues to go or else nobody would leave. It's everybody just wants to soak it up all the time. And I remember being like, I get it, but come on, (laughs) this is dumb. (laughs) That is a bit dumb. And I think that's kind of how I perceive how my heart perceives how God gives Mm. is like hop on and enjoy this. And then you're going to have to get off and then you come back around in line and I'll give you something else. And what it makes me want to do is walk backwards on the treadmill. Hmm. And, and like, no, I don't know when I'm going to get back in line. I don't know when this thing is going to come back around for me again. So I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to walk the wrong way so that I can (laughs) soak this up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it, because it's like, I don't know when this is going to come back around again. Because um, I, I know that he provides, but it's like here and then here and then wait a little bit and then here again. But mm. that's not reality. The reality is the water from the side of the rock, which it, it never ends. And actually, you're drinking up less than you're missing. Like right. more even goes by you than what can fit in your little heart. Um, and it's never going to stop, but I think that's how I, how I perceive how God gives mm-hmm. is hopping on the conveyor belt. And that seems to me like a, a classic, um, like need to live in the moment. You know, what's, what's cool about the water from the rock, um, reality is that once really believed i don't have to worry about the future but like ahead of me i like i i can live in this moment of i'm in front of the tillman now for this split second and just like wow that's mary this is a miracle i'm witnessing and actually live in that moment fleeting as it might be instead of constant like thinking about the deprivation that it's ahead of me mm-hmm. you know like i'm always living in the future deprivation that doesn't really exist, never will, instead of living in the fullness of this moment and trusting that there's fullness, other fullness later. Um, 
that's not to say that like that conveyor belt thing isn't annoying, but it's not, it's not <laughs> no, yeah. what is real. And I find like if, I, if I'm really jamming in a holy hour and I just feel the presence of God and I'm very grateful, um, the evil one is very close to say like, this isn't going to last. Um, and right, man, that's interesting. It makes me think of, um, I, I've seen a couple of, um, like documentaries and, and seen a couple of studies on like kind of, kind of short style documentaries or people on podcasts talking about different addiction problems that they've had. And oftentimes if somebody has a substance addiction, that the way that they talk about, um, like getting their fix or, or having peace about like this anxiety of, um, like wanting to consume whatever substance, um, I've heard it multiple times that they'll go out and buy alcohol or buy whatever they're going to use and they won't even use it that night. They just need to know that it's in the house. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not even about the thing. It's like, yeah. I need to know that this is available. And so I, I have to have it now. And so they, they go to whatever ends to make sure that it's at, at least within reach. But it's not even for the moment. It's just right. in case I need it in the future. And well, most pleasure, most pleasures like that are only fun to look forward to. Like actually being in them, they're not that great. Hmm. It's sort of like like looking forward to your vacation is better than your actual vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the opposite is true too. Like when you cut yourself off from this pleasure in the future, like when I got rid of my smartphone, I did not see that coming that I was, I was going to get like vertigo and actually nauseous when I shut it off and had this flip phone because all of a sudden, like I walk out into the world and it's just, that's not there. I'm, I don't need to use it right now, but the fact that it's not there for me yep. is very disorienting. It's a future problem. Right. It's a potential future problem. Yeah. But man, Do you so think much that's... better to live in the moment. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Yeah. I'm reading through uh, uh, screw tape right now for IPF and he had a great insight um, recently talking about like the, the fear around the future is so often like, and this is from the demon perspective, but he said like what they do is they try to root it. Like the demons talking to each other is that they try to root it in, um, the fear of the future, why it's so powerful is because it's rooted in so many different things that it would be impossible for all of them to happen. And that's why it's so overwhelming. And I just thought that was a cool insight by Lewis. That's like a strategy of the demons in, in the book is that like, even in that moment, I mean, who knows what's going on? Like when you had vertigo from giving up an iPhone, but like a future problem there, but like the reason so many things are like firing in your brain is because so many potential things could be affected. Right. But at the same time, not all of those things are going to be affected. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it was such a cool insight. That really is. Yeah. It's like, why be anxious for tomorrow? What's the line Jesus says? Uh, Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, Rob, I know you had a hard out speaking of the future. Yeah, let's wrap. Any other, any closing thoughts here? 
I was going to say something awesome, but it's it's fine. Why don't you just, <laughs> why don't you just, just have to fear? Why don't you just tie this out? all up and land the plane here? Yeah. Take us yeah, in. yeah. Well, I have noticed just like doing direction with other people and even in my own prayer life, listening from Welter, he tells me this all the time. Like, what if is not, is generally speaking, not from God? Yep. Hmm. What if? And the thing about like the phone deal is nothing is happening to you. Right. It's just like, what What if? What if? Blah. What if I get lost? Oh, gosh. It's, what if and so need- like a fear of the future, which is a lack of trust in the present, the fear, it, it invades and infects the present and can even infect the past, you know, but if you live in the present, um, it actually makes you more prepared for the future, which is ironic. Mm-hmm. That's the whole phrase, the one step at a time. That's a present moment thing. You eat the elephant one bite at a time. That's all a present thing. <laughs> or in the case of that guy from the Guinness Book of World Records, you eat the airplane one one bit at a time. Do you remember that guy? What? Who would no. eat, like, eat an airplane? Yeah, look it up. Megan can look it up. There's. I remember reading the Guinness Book of World Records as a kid, being fascinated by <laughs> the tallest man. And I know. I love those. But there was a guy who I didn't even know why it was a record. He would eat machinery, basically. <laughs> like He ate an entire airplane. One no bit at a time. Way. No, hang on. Gosh, you dropped that. Fairly certain. I remember. <laughs> stop. Like, gosh, that is wild. If that is true, I was I'm, man. I'm who not ate mad. And then, I don't know that I'm impressed, but I'm not mad. I, I googled man who ate, and then it autofilled a plane. A plane. Well, there you go. The man who ate an airplane piece by piece. All right. Wow. Can I can I wrap up by sharing a quick grace that I think. Uh, Oh, gosh, that's a picture I didn't need to see. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so a friend, a couple of friends come and visited me who are parents um, of small children. And they were swinging through Chicago and they came to the mass at Newman. And um, because of the kids, like they took turns being in and out, taking the rambunctious one back. And... Um, the wife wasn't in the chapel for communion. And I just noticed like they were there and they were my friends. So I was kind of keyed in. There weren't that many people. I just noticed that she didn't come up for communion. And so after mass, I kind of saw her because I was the first one out, obviously, because the procession. And I, I just mentioned, hey, you know, like I can stay and give you communion after. And she goes, she was kind of hemming and hawing like, oh, I kind of feel like I missed the mass. And I, you know, I missed a lot of it because I was in and out. So I don't, I don't really feel good about going to communion if I wasn't like there for the mass. And I was just like, yeah, I, I was in my heart. Like, do I fight around this? Um, it's like, it's up to you. It could be this thing in your, in your heart. It's up to you. I, I don't want to force anything on you that you're not comfortable with. But at the same time, I was just like, she goes, right. And I was like, well, I don't know. I think, I mean, you're here and I think the Lord wants to be in communion with you. Um, and there's no really reason you you shouldn't like I go to the hospital and I give people communion in just a couple minutes with a little confidior and a reading. Um, like there's nothing in canon law that says you have to go to mass for 40 minutes before you can receive communion in good conscience. Like the Lord just wants to be with you. And, I, and she's like, okay, cool. And so when I, after everybody had left and I gave her communion, I just saw her like 
the husband is off with the kids now, like the, in the post mass world where they, they can run around and stuff. And she just like, I snuffed the candles and did a few things. And I just saw her like praying in the chapel by herself after receiving Jesus. And this mom who's very busy and stressed out and, and stuff. And it just like, that to me was one of the joys of the priesthood. Um, right there is just like to be able to witness that, to be able to like foster that. Um, we were talking about the spousal identity at IPF last time. And, um, you know, all this, sometimes this allegory metaphor stuff is like kind of confusing and a, and a little bit weird of like the priest is the bridegroom or in the person of the bridegroom and stuff. And, um, I can't remember who, who said it this way, but it was like that our job, our, our vocation is to, um, foster to, to like help unify the bride and the bridegroom, basically like what we do, everything in our life is to draw the bride to the bridegroom. And that was like, so clearly on display here, this, this lay woman who is a bride, who is a mother, um, like Jesus wanted this moment with her, you know, hmm. and I don't know why I brought that up, but something that we were talking about made me think of that. The fear of missing out. I don't know. It's That's beautiful, beautiful stuff, thing. man. No, that, that fits very much like that moment. That w- moment was not about you. Correct. And yet you had like such a privileged place for it. Yeah, but I, yeah, I got to participate in the joy. Exactly. Okay. So it was like not grasping, but follow Three Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.